I'm very excited that we are continuing with our series called Renew, and uh, today we're going to be doing part two. When you came into the building, you should have received your vision card for 2021. If you didn't, you can put up your hand, and if you've got an offering of 500 rand, we'll bring you one. Ah, no one's laughing at that. (laughs) Just joking. All right, everybody got. Fantastic. So last week, well, last week Mandy and I, should have been Mandy, but Mandy and I uh, did part one, which was the R of renew, which stands for renew. Today we're going to deal with the E, which is endeavor. So let's dig straight away into the word of God. And let's start in Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. Now remember, this is one of the scriptures God gave us in 2018 when we started our vision card 2018 to 2023. And so uh, I want to encourage you, we're in our third year. We've got two years to go from next year. So tonight, you've got this card to start preparing And praying into what you're going to be doing and trusting God for next year. But this year still got four months left in Raymond South Coast Family Church. Because our vision runs from the 1st of March to the end of February. So I want to encourage you at the same time to go back to your vision. And just because it's been a crazy year, don't give up on what you're trusting God for. Keep believing God. Go and review it. Maybe you've got to adjust it a bit. That's fine. Because God is doing something amazing. And Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, comes this incredible reminder. And um, this is what it says. Let's look at it together. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now just quickly have a look at at renew. You see the, the re is smaller because we wanted to focus not just on the re, but on the new And you know when you're talking to someone and you say, you know, re that thing or re whatever, whatever, we want to talk to you re new. What is the new thing that God's going to be doing in 2021? He says, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Three encouragements from this verse as we dig into vision and the word endeavor. Firstly, he says, do not remember the former things. If you read the preceding verses, you'll see he reminded them of what God had done for them when they left Egypt. The incredible, incredible miracles he performed to bring them to the place of the promised land. And what he was really saying when he said, don't remember the former things, what he was actually saying is this, is the old deliverance, the old breakthroughs will be nothing compared to what God's going to do in this new season. Isn't that encouraging? He was saying, man, you think God did something great in the desert? Do you think splitting the Red Sea was amazing? You ain't seen nothing yet. How you know that builds my hope? That builds my expectation that God's hand has not been shortened and his, his ability has not been limited. And so he encourages him. He says, listen, it's time to look forward, not backwards. Then he goes on and he says, behold, I will do a new thing. Notice he says, behold. When he says, behold, it's a declaration. 
He wants to get our attention. He's saying, hey, earth, look up here. I've got something to say to you. I've got something to declare to you. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now, if you understand the terminology of I shall do a new thing, it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I want you to know it's speaking about the fact that something has already begun in seed form. You can't see it yet, but he's saying, will you not know it? And what he was declaring is this. Are you going to give it the attention it needs so that it can spring forth and become what it needs to become? As a matter of fact, if you look at the picture graph in the Hebrew language, it is actually made up of two things. It's made up of an eye and it's made up of an open door, which speaks to you and I that combined, how many of you know Jesus said this, the eyes are the window of the soul. And what he was saying is this, that when you get born again, when you are serving God, he opens the eyes of your spirit so you can see things that are not natural, but they are supernatural. They are the hidden things of his kingdom, the hidden things of his heart, and he'll bring them to your attention. So when you see them, you can believe it and you can start to see it with your natural eye. And so our spiritual eyes are the door into knowing and experiencing the vision that God has for your life. So let's build on that today. Let's build on this reality that God is going to do a new thing. Now, the word endeavor, I was amazed when I looked at this word because I had a, a certain mindset about what it meant to endeavor. All right, but the noun of the word endeavor is this. It means to set out, to try hard, or to attempt something. It was the definition I was familiar with. To set out, to try hard, or attempt something. The, the words that are similar to the word endeavor is labor or aim. To, have, to labor or to have an aim. But the noun goes a little deeper. The noun is this. It means to attempt to do something, especially something new or something that hasn't been done before. How you know that starts to speak to the unseen things and the unseen power of vision? The word similar to the noun of this word endeavor means to this, means this. It means to shoot for something or to put in extra effort to make it happen. And so it speaks to you and I. This word endeavor speaks about vision. It speaks about a conscientious effort and an earnest attempt towards something specific. It means to be purposeful or industrious in an activity or an enterprise. It means to work with a set or specified goal or purpose in mind. Can I encourage you today? God is positioning the church. God is positioning you and I at this time because he has a plan for us. He has a goal for us. And so God is positioning, positioning you and I for our finest hour. The question is this, are you ready? Look at the person next to you. Say, are you ready? Are you in position for what God wants to do? Now let's turn to Deuteronomy 31. And we look at verses 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. 
He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go. Look at that. You must go. Not an option. You must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is the one that goes before you. He will be with you, and He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God is not about to abandon us. He will remove the hurt out of our lives, and He will give us new hope. You see, God wants to renew our faith. God wants you to get your worship back. God wants you to get your praise back. God wants you to develop that faith and be expectant again for what He's able to do in your life. You see, we need a new sound for a new day. And so let's rise up and be ready for that. So today, as we dig into vision, and we'll continue a little bit with this perhaps next week when we look at the letter N, but today I want to talk to you about an interesting story. You probably know it. It's the story of the ten virgins. Now, Jesus told the story as a parable, and uh, something just jumped in my heart. When, When the Lord dropped this into my spirit, I was like, I don't know what that story's got to do with vision and endeavor. But how you know, God always knows better. And so I went to start to read it, and I was amazed. And how many of you know, when, when we talk about parables, we need to understand something about parables. Jesus spoke in parables because parables were like story illustrations that made it easy for us to understand the heart and the spirit or the point he was trying to make. So... Parables aren't about building doctrine. You can't take a parable and say, this is what God is going to do, and build a doctrine on it. A parable is simply a story that encourages us and gives us the heart of what Jesus was trying to say. Now, let me be clear. I understand that this parable primarily is illustrating one very specific thing. It speaks about the five wise virgins, who is the born-again church, and it speaks about the five foolish virgins, which are those who are unsaved, many of whom, listen carefully, might be in church, but they're religious, they're not born again. Specifically, he was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees of the day, because how you know, they thought they knew everything, they thought they were serving God, even like Paul did, but actually, they were foolish. I understand that's the the primary role of this parable. But I want you to know, when it comes to parables, you have a little bit of license to, to go through the parable. And I think there's a whole lot more that the Holy Spirit hid up in this parable that I think is going to help you and I tonight when it comes to vision. So let's dig into it verse for verse. Matthew 25, verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The first thing we see about vision tonight is vision is a journey in the kingdom of heaven to experience Jesus so that you and I can become more like him. And here's the first and most important point for any believer. Your primary vision in your life is not to get things, it's to become more like Jesus. It's to allow Jesus to live in and through 
your life. You see, God deposited purpose into every person's life. Every person that is born into this earth, God deposits purpose in them. But that purpose is only ignited when you get your BA degree. Yeah, did you realize you have a BA degree? Born again degree. That's when purpose is ignited. You know, people in the world, they might find purpose, but there's always an emptiness until Jesus comes into their lives. That void is only filled when Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior. So every Christian is on a journey of becoming Christ-like. The kingdom of heaven is all about meeting Jesus, experiencing his life and his love, and introducing him to other people. And that happens not just through preaching. It happens primarily through the way we live. So right at the onset today, as we, as we start to look at, at our vision that is current and our vision that we're praying into for next year, we've got to align it with the Christ-likeness that God wants to display through our lives. That is vital for each of us to understand. So there are two things that need to be a part of every Christian vision. Number one is thankfulness. Thankfulness. You see, the the mark of a true believer is a thankful attitude. We call it an attitude of gratitude. Number two, the second thing is this, is that every believer needs to realize that we need to live with this expectation. What do I need to learn in this moment so that I can keep growing and becoming more like Jesus? I want you to know, God does not waste a second in the life of a believer. Hang on, we waste seconds, we waste time, we get distracted, but God is intentional, and God never wastes a moment. And I want you to know, if you want to be a believer that's progressive, that's moving forward, that's going places with God, and I know all of you want to be that because that's what I want to be, I want you to know, you've got to say to yourself, what does God want me to learn in this moment? Now, here's the reality. When you live with those two things built into your vision, there's something powerful that happens. Number one, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Your heart is always tender towards God because you're thankful, maybe not for what you're trusting for, but you're thankful for what you have. And when you're thankful what you have, it always keeps your praise alive. Number two, when you're a thankful person, when you live with an attitude of gratitude, it empowers you to say, Lord, I know I'm not where I should be, but what do you need me to learn today so I can be where you need me to be tomorrow? And you're going to have a look from the story how apparent that comes in the lives of these 10 virgins. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, it says this, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God, in Christ Jesus for you. So when there's that attitude of gratitude, it positions you to say, God, what can I learn from this? What do you want to teach me in this moment of my life so that I can become closer to you, so that I can rejoice in my life, and so that others can see Jesus in me? And I want you to know, sometimes... This is a hard thing for you to grasp and for me to grasp. But sometimes we can only get a hold of the lesson God wants us to learn when we go through hardships, when we go through difficult times. 
because it causes us to reflect and to look to God. And that's why thankfulness is so important. Thank God that in the hard times, God will teach you things so he can lead you to better things. Right, let's read on. Matthew 25, we drop down to verses 2, 3, and 4. Now it says, Now the five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, and they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So the next thing we start to realize is that vision is the thing that distinguishes you and I as wise. Why? Because the five wise, they took the oil with them. They, they were distinguished, distinguished, distinguished as wise people because they carried the oil with them. They knew that they needed to be prepared. You see, for our vision to flourish in our lives, we're going to need wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to think ahead and to plan accordingly. That's my new definition for wisdom for this next season. Wisdom is the ability to think ahead and to plan accordingly. So how do you and I become wise? Let's think about it for a minute. How do we become wise? Number one, we consult the Bible and we spend time in prayer. You know, T.D. Jake said something very powerful. I'm reading one of his books and he said this, prayer is the greatest compliment you can pay God. Isn't that incredible? Prayer is the greatest compliment you can pay God. Because when you pray, God is so blessed because what you're saying to him is, Lord, I need you and I believe you have what I need. That's how powerful prayer is. People who pray realize that he's God and they're not. They realize that when they engage with God, they are joyfully releasing their burdens, their problems, their struggles to God because He's the only one who can actually take care of them. So as a church, like never before, we need to engage in prayer. We need to be stirring ourselves up in prayer. The next thing we do if we want to grow in wisdom, if we want to be wise, is we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us. The reason Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into our lives is because he understood that if we're going to be successful as believers and as serving God, we would need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us and to guide us. Never be afraid to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. Never be afraid to say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do in this moment. I need you to guide me. I need you to help me. Because he'll be there. The Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit of grace for a reason. And then number three, the third thing I can do to become wise is I need to speak to wise people. You need to speak to wise people about your life. Don't ever be embarrassed to speak to wise people. Wise people are wise for a reason. So go to them and inquire of them and ask questions and seek their counsel. We certainly don't want to be in a place where we move in the flesh out of God's timing. But when God is moving, when God is speaking, we cannot be afraid to step out and trust Him. And that's what God wants us to do. 
You see, Satan will bring fear to our minds. He'll bring fear into our emotions, especially when the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us in a new direction. If you, if you sense the fear is heightened, if you sense there's this, this emotional, like, I don't know what I should do, you can be sure God is busy preparing you for something new. And you need to be ready to be able to step into that and go beyond your fear, like Joyce says, and do it afraid. You see, he'll try use fear to keep you from moving forward in what you're trusting God with. And if you're at that crossroad in your life, and I sense many of us are, then let me encourage you, it's time to move forward. Take that chance. Step out in faith. If you know it's God, step out, and God will be there. Let's continue. Are you getting some help today? Matthew 25 and verse 5, it says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. This is my new favorite verse. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Let me, let me give you this point like this. Delay is inevitable, so why don't you take a nap? That's my new favorite verse. Delay is inevitable, so why don't you take a nap? You see, when you and I are trusting God for vision, hear this today, there will always be delays. Because number one, we're living in a fallen world with a real enemy and real humans that are fallen, including you. Number two, God never moves you into a new realm, into a new level of your life without first testing your faith and preparing your heart. And guess what he uses to do it? I know, (laughs) I know, he uses delays. Because delays expose what's really in your heart and gives you time to address it with God's help. So delays, listen to this, delays are actually a blessing. No amens. Remember, when you rest, God works. When you work, God rests. So here's the thing. Delays are inevitable, so take a nap. Now, I'm speaking about two things here when I speak about taking a nap. Number one, I'm speaking about learning to rest in the confidence that God is bigger than you and what you're facing. So rest in the finished work of who Christ is in your life. But I want to tell you something else. Sometimes you really literally need to just go take a nap. And you know what it's a picture of? Sometimes we are striving and trying so hard in the flesh. And I've realized this, when, when it gets so difficult that I want to try in the flesh, it's time for me to take a step back, go have a nap, go play a round of golf, go take a walk on the beach, go play a game of bowls for the old people. Because Delays aren't nice. They're never comfortable, but they're very important. And I've discovered this in my life. If I don't learn from the moment of delay, then I'm never ready for the moment of blessing. And I end up not maximizing exactly what it is that God wants to do in my life 
in my ministry, in my family, or whatever area it's related around. So why are delays useful and helpful? Well, number one, delays teach us to stand firm on God's word regardless of what's happening around us. And so what you've got to learn to do when you have a delay is keep doing what you know to do. What happens when a delay comes, the enemy comes, see, it's not working. You better try something else. It's not working, you know. You're not praying enough. You know, it's not working. The word doesn't work. And so what he does is he uses the delay to create a negative moment to get you to give up. What you've got to do is keep doing what you know to do. Don't do more. Don't do less. Keep consistent. Because what happens when you do that, you develop your patience. And Brother James, in the book of James, says... Count it all joy when you encounter various trials and storms, for the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have its full work, for then you will be complete, lacking nothing. What a powerful promise. When you allow delays to work for you, they complete you. Number two, delays on opportunity to evaluate things in your life. One of the greatest blessings of COVID-19 was it forced people into their homes to face themselves. And you know what I discovered? Those who were strong for God, those who loved God, got better. Those who didn't, struggled. And I'm I'm not pointing fingers at them. I'm saying they had the opportunity to run to God. And those who did, guess what? God started working in their lives. Because you see... Every now and then, you need to evaluate your motives, the reasons you do things, and the outcome of your life. I look back in my life over this year, and you know what I had to decide? There are just a few things I want to tweak, a few little things I want to make changes in, a few little areas where my life needs to have an adjustment. And you know, the minute I did that, freedom, liberty, and joy come. And so what I want to encourage you with today, don't be guilty. Don't feel shameful condemned or embarrassed about where your life is. Take a nap. I've discovered this. Even the mundane things of my life are holy before God. You know what? When I'm sitting watching sport, having my cup of coffee and my top deck, I'm happy inside. And you know what I realize? God is sitting with me and he's loving it. And I'll tell you something else. God supports the sharks. Yeah, he told me. Don't you say bull. I know stuff. I know stuff. You see, sometimes, you know what? We feel guilty about the areas we're not measuring up in. Stop it. Because guilt just puts a wedge between you and God. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm saying talk to God about it. Say, Lord, you know what? I'm not doing well in this area and I need help. Father, I need to grow in that area. Now I keep losing my temper in this area. And you know what? When you do that, It releases that condemnation and it gives you an opportunity to grow your patience and develop your discipline. Matthew 25, verse 6 and 7. And at midnight, so remember they took a nap, all the virgins took a nap, the five wise and the five foolish. They took a nap and then in verse 6 it says, and at midnight a cry was heard and behold the bridegroom is coming out, uh, the, the bridegroom is coming Go out to meet him. And then all the virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and went out to meet him. 
The next thing about vision is this. Vision is about being ready and listening for the cry. The cry of God. The cry of the Holy Spirit to say it's time to move. It's time to, Jesus is coming. It's time to move. And so, while you're taking a nap, remember, nap means two things. Literally take a nap or rest. While you're napping or resting, you need to stay ready and you need to keep on preparing. Get ready for that next thing you know God is going to do. You see, waiting for a cry, notice something, it always comes when you least expect it. Isn't it interesting that it says at midnight? You know what at midnight reminds me of? Paul and Silas. They'd been beaten. They'd been persecuted. They'd been thrown in the middle prison. Their feet had been put in stocks. But the Bible says at midnight, what were they doing? They were praising and singing psalms. And it says this, all the other prisoners were listening. God had a moment at midnight. And guess what? He sent an earthquake to deliver them. The jailer got saved, and that spun off into a revival in that town. So I want to encourage you, while you're sleeping, make sure your vision is ready and that you're ready for the cry when God says, it's time to step in to that next thing that God has got, do, got, got going for you. You see, look what it says. It says, immediately they got up and they trimmed their lights. They trim their life. Are you trimming your life? Are you streamlining your life? Are you getting your life ready? Are you preparing through prayer and fellowship with God and studying the word and studying whatever it is that God's going to be doing in your life and getting ready for it? Guess what? When you trim your lamp, God is going to step out and he's going to take you places. And so I want to encourage you that our last year's vision, well, this year, his vision was decrease for increase. And I know people are like, yeah, well, we're doing the decrease. And, and I understand that. But listen, decrease for increase was not about material things. Decrease, when John said that, he said, I must decrease so he, Jesus, can increase. Decrease for increase is all about what's happening on the inside of you. It's about spiritual growth. It's about developing your vision. It's about keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. Because when you do, you see, we can get all busy accumulating things on the outside. And Jesus said this, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Now listen, he was not saying that you shouldn't prosper, that you shouldn't do well, that you shouldn't have things. He said he'll add those things to you. But here's the thing, you don't chase them. You chase God. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Can you say amen? All right. Uh, Verses 8 and 9 of Matthew 25. And it says, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, No, lest there should not be enough for us and for you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. I always had this picture that the five wise virgins were a bit nasty and they said well we're not going to help you you go do your own thing but it wasn't they were very nice they said listen it's better if we don't share because then we'll all run out rather go and buy from those who sell so here's the thing even the five foolish virgins were trimming their light they were trying to get ready but they hadn't used wisdom at the beginning of their journey to prepare for the moments of delay and so guess what they started growing weary they started falling back and they couldn't keep up with what God, what God wanted to do in their lives. So the next thing is vision is about being focused on your mission 
and not someone else's. You cannot be distracted by what's going on in other people's lives and keep doing what you're supposed to be doing in your life. Here's the reality. I want to encourage you with this. It's a hard truth, but it's truth. Your vision is not for everyone. When, when Joseph shared his vision with his brothers, with the wrong people, it got him into big trouble. And so you and I need to have courage. We need to be able to say, you know, distractions can steal the momentum out of your life, out of your ministry, out of your marriage, out of your business, out of whatever you're busy with. And if you do not deal with distractions, they will steal your destiny and your purpose from your life. So here's the thing about it being the five wise virgins. They needed discernment to recognize they cannot help these other five foolish virgins. And then they needed the courage to say no. There are some things in your life that you and I are going to have to say no to if we're going to focus on the mission God's given us. And listen, it's not about being nasty. It's like, guys, this is my mission, and I'm not going to let you pull me off my mission because that won't be good for me, and it won't be good for you. Because if we both get nowhere, then no one's going to get any help. So stick with your mission. Stick with what you know God's called you to be. Don't get out of your lane into someone else's lane because you will get disqualified. And then verse 10, Matthew 25, verse 10. It goes and it says, And while they went to buy, listen to this, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. So you see, vision is about waiting for the cry. When the cry came, they were ready. And because they were ready, they were able to go in to the wedding feast, which speaks about celebration, increase, the next level living. They went into their vision. They entered into the vision. And guess what? The door was shut. This is very significant because here's the question. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready for the door that's opening And are you ready for the door to be shut? Here's what we've got to learn from this about vision. When a door opens, you've got to go through it. You know what's happened to me in my past? Doors opened, and because I wasn't ready, I couldn't walk into them. And guess what? The door shut again. Now guess what? I've got to go around the mountain another whole time, and I've got to wait for that season to line up again. And you know, sometimes in life, not with everything, sometimes in life it never lines up again. Have you ever spoken to someone who went back 15 years in their life and they said, you know, if I just went through that door, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. They missed the open door because they weren't ready. And you know what? God's gracious and merciful. You'll see at the end of the story, he gives you another chance. He gives you another opportunity. But you know, God once said to Joyce Meyer, listen to this. She had been on the radio and she'd been trusting God for big things. And God spoke to her and Dave and said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go on TV and it will lead to an international ministry. And then he said this to them, if you don't take it, you'll never get the opportunity again. Aren't you glad she took it? Well, aren't you glad they took it? Because today, they're an incredible ministry that are serving hundreds of thousands of people. So here's the thing. When the door opens, go through it. Before church. Now listen carefully. Also remember when you go through it, other doors will shut behind you. And you know what? Some people get tripped up 
because they step into the new door and it's scary and it's difficult and it's not what they expected and they turn around and they want to go back where they came from. Don't go open a door that's been shut in your life because I tell you what, it'll open a whole lot of things that you don't want to have to deal with and you don't have to live with. And we know that the picture of that is Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, Lot and his wife leaving. She turned back and she turned into a pillar of salt. So don't go back on things. When God's closed the door in your life, just keep moving forward. Are you building your vision? Are you busy with what God wants you to be busy with in this moment? Getting prepared, getting ready, doing what you're doing, spending time. Listen, are you digging your trenches? Remember we spoke about that a few weeks ago. And then finally what goes with this in verse 10 is you need to remember that Everything lines up with the words of your mouth. So what are you saying with your mouth? What are you speaking out over your life? Listen to this powerful, incredible truth from the Bible. Did you know that in the Old Testament, kings had the authority and the anointing to rule and to conquer? Kings had the authority and the anointing to rule and conquer. Priests had the authority... And the anointing to deal with spiritual things before God and men. Listen to this. In the New Testament, Jesus made you a king and a priest. You have the authority and the anointing to conquer and rule. And you have the authority and the anointing to deal with God and things related to spirituality. God made you a king and priest. Revelations 1, verse 5 and 6 says, Has he not made us kings and priests to his God and Father? To him be the glory and dominion forever. So listen to this. Because you're a king priest, you have the authority and the anointing to speak life over you, over your ministry, over your family, because God has given you the authority and the anointing. What are you saying with your mouth? Verses 11 and 12, we're nearly there. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Vision is all about knowing Jesus and learning who you are. Have you ever felt shut out by life? Have you ever felt like the door closed on you and you're that one saying, Lord, Lord, And he's saying, I don't know you. Now listen carefully to what I want to say to you. Have you been doing something else? Gone back to take care of something in your past, picking up things from your past, and when you got back to the present, you'd missed your moment. It's happened to all of us. Here's what Jesus was saying. Now remember this. This is a parable. Jesus was saying this. Don't be the foolish virgin. Be the wise virgin. And if you're not... Make the change today because it's not too late. The bridegroom has not come yet. The wedding supper of the lamb has not come yet. It's not too late. Make a wise decision and he will undo the disappointment in your life. Remember the story in John 6 where Jesus had performed the miracles 
And he told the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. And he went away to pray. And the Bible says he came walking on the water at night. And what had happened is they got into the boat. They were rowing their boat across the Sea of Galilee. A storm had come up. There were waves and winds. And it literally says this. He came in the third watch of the morning. In other words, it was sometime between three and six in the morning. He came walking on the water. And the disciples had hardly moved. They'd been rowing for hours. And they'd gone a couple of miles. Listen, in John 6, 21, it says this. They welcomed him into the boat, and the minute they got into the boat, they were on the other side. What is that story? The miracle of restored time in our lives. If you think God shut the door on you, he hasn't. The devil wants you to believe that. Go to God. Tell him what's going on. Make a wise decision. You know what? He'll give you the miracle of restored time in your life. Finally, Matthew 25 verse 13, he ends the parable and he says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but until he comes, he said, occupy. He said, until he comes, will he come, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? We've got to keep on keeping on. The word watch is the Greek word Gregorio. It means to stay awake, to be alert, to be active and strict with yourself so you give attention to the right things. Finally tonight, vision must always be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Vision is never supposed to be about you, about what you want. It's about Jesus and building your foundation on the rock who is Jesus Christ. Because then when the storms come and the winds blow and the rain beats, your house will stand. Build your life, build your vision on Jesus. Get to know him, pursue him, grow in him. I love what Robert Morris said this last week. He said, you may think you're not good enough to do what God needs you to do, but all God needs for you to do is to show up and he can take care of the rest. Delight yourself in Jesus. Start delighting in the Lord. Start giving Him your desire. Start giving Him your everything. And you know what? He delights in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says this. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives, I love this, will be an advertisement of this immense power as he works through you, this mighty power of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you need help in any area of your life, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. If you're here on the screen and you're listening to this today and you want me to pray for you, just put out your hands wherever you are. Right where you are in your room, God is going to touch your life. Father, I thank you today for your love. I thank you that you never give up on us. And Lord, we ask for the miracle of restored time. Father, we ask today that you help us to be like those wise virgins who make good decisions. Strengthen every person under the sound of my voice. I pray right now, if they have sickness in their bodies, let healing flow through their lives right now, bringing recovery and restoration. If you're perhaps watching today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you want to make that decision, you want to accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, would you just pray this prayer aloud? 
is from Romans chapter 10. And just say, Father, I believe today Jesus is your son. That he died on the cross so that I could be saved. You raised him from the dead and I accept him into my heart as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer today, there's a WhatsApp number and an email appearing on your screen. Would you send us a message? We'd love to contact you. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to send you a Bible. And we'd love to be part of what God is doing in your life. To everybody here today, thank you so much for being here tonight. I hope God spoke.